the Cult Worthy Podcast. Join me, Antonio Palacios, each week as I guide you through a never-ending sea of obscure cinema and cult-worthy gems that deserve a rediscovery. Find me on all listening platforms and at thecultworthy.com. The Cult Worthy Podcast. Join us. Oh, hello and welcome to the Milf and Me podcast, episode number six. Diana, welcome back to the studio. We've had a little bit of a pause here, haven't we? Yes, we have. Getting sick and holidays. Holidays. I mean, thank goodness that we bank a bunch of episodes before we have life happen. I had no voice for 10 days and then Thanksgiving happened. So when you guys are hearing this, we're going to be closer to Christmas than Thanksgiving. Just realize that as we talk about the holidays and all the things that we've been doing lately, we're about a month behind where you are currently at. But we're here. We're healthy. Mostly, right? Yes. Yes. I missed you. It's good to be back. I know. It is great to be back and to talk about all of these fun subjects. I've just been concentrating on my movie podcast lately, but digging up a lot of fun content. So have you. You've been getting profiles for us. Oh, yes. And you've just been kind of living some life and living some drama we don't have to talk about that today, but one of these days, there's going to be some fun conversations about what has happened in the last three weeks, right? Yes. Yep. That's coming up. So stay tuned for coming that. Coming up. We have to figure out how we are going to do that. So let's just talk about Thanksgiving. How was it? It was good. It was really good. I hosted at my house. My dad came up from, so I live downtown, downtown Salt Lake. Um, my dad came up from Provo and my ex-husband came over he was planning on going to Idaho to be with his best friends, but it didn't work out. He wasn't feeling great. So he ended up stopping in and I had the three kids. So it was good. It was chill. I made all the food and uh, Costco helped with some of it. So <laughs> what I like about how yours and for the most part, my family dynamics work is we're not necessarily in blended families, but we don't really have a whole lot of animosity to people in our family who may have done us wrong in the past. We are pretty good at like looking past all that. And, you know, my ex-wife and I, we really don't talk a lot, but there are worse situations than what I have where it's like I can have my son for Thanksgiving, even though I am the, you know, primary custodian, but there's no argument over it because I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My son has autism Mm -hmm. and he is very, very big on structure and routine. And it took a few years for us to get to that point, but we both kind of turned off the ego and the pride of who's the better parent and focused on what's best for him. If Thanksgiving or Christmas falls on a week where I would have him, it's better for him to have it with me than miss that whole you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday dynamic that he's used to with his mom and stepdad. Yeah. You kind of have the same thing with your three kids. Your ex-husband is very pliant, very flexible. Yeah. And like you said in episode one, you stand up for him because he's a good dad. You guys didn't match romantically after a while. Yeah. But being a good dad and being present to me is more important than having, let's say, a good, friendly, one-on-one -on -one relationship with your ex-partner, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know... My ex-husband's family, he grew up born and raised in San Diego. His entire family is there. 
there's actually some of his siblings that have moved out of San Diego. But for the most part, all the cousins and grandkids and great grandkids, they're all there. Um, so I have just, I've super flexible with Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, like my kids don't have cousins and a big family here in Utah. So I've literally handed over those big holidays to him every year, like have them for Thanksgiving and Christmas, have them both. Like, it's good. I'm good. I will find somewhere to be. I'm, oh, there's no like hard feelings if he has the kids. I don't feel like, oh my God, he's taking the kids away from me. I'm all alone. It's just never been that way. We want what's best for our children always. I think that's so constructive. And I don't really know that many people that have that kind of dynamic, but sometimes you just have to kind of put those hard feelings aside and think about what is best for the kids. Now, obviously, if your ex is a monster, yeah. that's a different story, but that's a, a different conversation altogether. You know, that was Thanksgiving and we've got Christmas to look forward to and New Year's. And that kind of brings us to today's subject in a weird, off-centered way. Like, we took a break from the podcast, and when we were discovering topics to talk about for future episodes, we kept landing on one that we haven't really talked about too much, but since our last episode was the swing state about the swinger lifestyle in Salt Lake City, the questions of you know polyamorous relationships and how that works in a conservative state, it got us talking about sexuality in general. And I don't know about you, and I guess we'll find out today a little bit more. We come from an era where we really lived in a binary sense of sexuality. Mm -hmm. You were either gay or you were straight. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, That was it. And when people talked about bisexuality, no offense to my bi friends out there, it did cause a lot of people to kind of roll their eyes. We're like, well, that's not really a thing. You're either one or the other. Yeah. You're just trying to hide what you are. And I never really bought that idea because I have never been sexually attracted to a man, but I have found certain men extremely attractive Yeah. to the point where like, I wanted to emulate that attraction. So I'm going to age myself a little bit, but Gavin Rossdale from Bush... Mm -hmm. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, yeah. I wanted to be him so bad. <laughs> I grew my hair out like him. I tried to like dress like him and build a personality around him to the point where I was almost like sexualizing him yeah. as, as a human. Now, did that make me gay? But were you having sexual feelings towards him? I, I wouldn't say I was having sexual feelings about him or towards him, but this is kind of weird. I would have sexual fantasies where I was him. I see. So you like, you just were attracted to him physically. Like there wasn't like this feeling where you had a fantasy to be involved with something like that in a sexual setting. Right. I wanted to know what it was like to be in a sexual encounter as him. I see. Which, you know, I, I really can't define that. And I'm not educated enough in that area to even begin. I've never talked about it in therapy, but I've never hidden the fact. I've talked to a lot of people about yeah, that. You yeah. know? There are times where you talk about, you know, hey, if you were gay, who would you sleep with? If you were, yeah. you know, we, people have these conversations all the time. But now we live in an age where sexual identity is so fluid. Yeah. And there are so many identifiers to what people are now. And a lot of people, I'd say at least half the people in this country, roll their eyes at that. It's you're straight or you're gay. You know, you can't be this. You can't be that. 
I believe you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, well, we can thank the LGBTQ community and the Pride Centers and Pride Parades, everything that they do, everything that LGBTQ stands for, they are obviously now in this day and age feeling more comfortable vocalizing all of these sexualities and it's educating us. I mean, we, like you said, we grew up where it was, you're either straight or gay, but now we are being introduced to a bunch of different things. Um, and I will just go ahead and say that my oldest son is 17 and he is gay. You know, as you know, Antonio, he came out to us when he was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. He was actually almost 12. So it was like sixth grade. But when he came out to us, he told us he was bisexual because he didn't want he didn't want judgment. Like he still wanted to hold on to the little idea that he could still be attracted to a girl because he had these cute little girls that followed him around yeah. school, you know. But he knew he was definitely 100 percent attracted to men or boys, you know. So it was about six months after that that he said, no, I'm not bisexual. I definitely know I'm not. I'm gay. I'm so gay. I'm like, perfect. That's great. You know, and he knows and he knew and he's very proud of who he is. I'm proud of who he is. I've seen him grow up to be a wonderful young man who's like just about to start like his adult life. And there's something to be said about that generation. I feel the kids are growing up earlier now, right? Yes. Maybe not in the sense of like responsibilities. I mean, he's got a job. I feel really strongly supportive of what he's doing with his life. Yeah. But because of internet, because of social media, because of what we hear and see on TikTok, Instagram, or on the news, it is introducing young people to a multitude of lifestyles a lot earlier. Absolutely. These conversations are had a lot earlier. My problem with that Mm -hmm. And that's a weird way to say it, but hear me out, is that we are not having the right conversations with our youth. Yep. We're letting them have conversations based off of bias that they hear in social media or the group of support from other people in their community. Or the playground. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. You know, I have two other kids. My other boy is 14 and then my girl's 12. She forgets she's 12 sometimes, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's like she thinks she's 17. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I try to catch them and have conversations, hard conversations with them. Obviously, we talked about the birds and the bees and sex and babies really early on because I knew that was going to come way quicker than it did for us. It's easier. It's easier to to beat the them, like beat everybody else to the conversation with your children than having someone else explain it to them on the playground or in, you know, in passing and then they get the wrong idea about things. Right. And then you have to deconstruct whatever, I don't know, ideologies or opinions that have yeah. come from people that don't have the same belief or support structure that you do for your kids. Yep. So when we talk about sexuality in not only our youth, but also our age, I feel that, and again, this is just subjective opinion. I feel that there is this time where we experiment sexually in our late teens, especially early to mid-20s, and then if we are, let's say, monogamous people or start a marriage or a family, our mid-20s to our late 30s are pretty much devoted to that. Mm -hmm. But like we talked about in the Swing State episode, we see people becoming more sexually adventurous in what we would consider middle age, like 40-plus and beginning to be more flexible with what they consider their sexual 
identification. Do you feel as you've been connecting with people more your age in this day and age, whether it's through dating mm-hmm. or relationships or just mm-hmm. one night stands or flings, what does that look like? How do they feel in that aspect? Because I feel like this whole fluidity of sexuality has become more acceptable among middle-aged people. Well, it's a little bit intimidating for me personally because you never know what this person is into. And so there has to be a little bit of an awkward conversation that gets to happen. Like, mm-hmm. hey, are you monogamous? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I am very much monogamous. I just, that's just who I am. For anyone else, if they say they're not, then it's okay. I don't judge them. I just don't know that we would be able to have a relationship that would be healthy for both of us and make it be a long-term situation. And so I think people get bored. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. They get bored. And I am not a boring person. And so literally I couldn't imagine having to deal with more than one man. Holy shit. That would just be a complete clusterfuck. So honestly, and I don't know how men deal with more than one woman. Good God. <laughs> We're a pain in the ass, right? Like, how are these guys doing it? But no, I th- I seriously think people just get bored. And I am just, I have ADD. Like, I literally don't get bored. I switch things up a lot. If I start getting bored with something, it's like, hey, let's do this in the kitchen. Bend me over on the kitchen counter yeah, instead of in bed. Like, <laughs> let's make things exciting um, or let's do it at this place or go travel and do it at this place. If you got, you got to keep it spicy. You got to keep it going. And I think that is where some of this fluidity comes into play. Like in the swing state episode where people kind of get older, their kids are grown and they're discovering this new era of sexuality in their life. Now, I guess it becomes a little bit different when feelings are involved because I feel when we talk about people who are pansexual, polyamorous, you know, all these different uh, identifications we talk about these days. When I ask people who are in these lifestyles what the difference is, it almost always comes down to emotion. Yes. Like the separation of connecting with someone emotionally and then just being able to have sexual pleasure with them. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, for sure. Like I have a best friend, my best, best girlfriend. I love this woman to death. I would marry her in one hot second but I'm not a lesbian. I am very much into men. It's her emotional side and uh, we just click on every level, but she loves men too, you know, and she feels the same way about me as far as our emotional connection. Everything's fun. We get along great, but when it comes right down to it, it's like, yeah, we joke around all the time. We could get married and just invite guys over whenever we need guys over Um, because we are not into each other sexually, emotionally. There is a separation there for sure. Um, And it's hard because there could be guys I connect with on every level except for emotionally. And then I have a hard decision to make. Like, is this worth it? Is it worth keeping the relationship going in hopes that an emotional connection will flourish, if you will? In, In your experience, do you think that you've encountered more females who are open to the idea of bisexuality than you have males? 100%. Okay. Absolutely. That brings me to this. So... As I was pulling up some studies and some research, it's really interesting that most of these are reported by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. It's really interesting when you start diving into this because when you start reading these studies, you have one group of people approaching it from a biological aspect, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have another group of professionals approaching it from a psychological one. So if we look at the Center for Disease Control, 
They say that 1.3% of women and 1.9% of men said that they were homosexual, gay, or lesbian. So that's just flat out, right? That's yep. what they were saying. Yep. However, 5.5% of women said that they were bisexual or considered themselves more bisexual-leaning than heterosexual. When it comes to men, only 2% say that. So your experiences with your female friends and companions, yep. it's in the math. It's Absolutely. right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had, we're going to get real personal here. Yeah. Um, I know that I'm not a lesbian because I've had experiences before and I'm a very open person and I'm not going to turn down a situation if I'm in the moment and I'm just going with it. I've had plenty of experiences and that is literally how I know. Right. Like you can't be a straight person 100% and never have those experiences and be like, nope, I'm not bisexual. That's gross. Like, how the hell do you know? How the fuck do you know that? You don't know if you like black licorice until you try it. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so I love my women. I love my girls. I love the women I've had experiences with sexually, um, physically, whatever. But it was usually, a, I'm going to use a quote here, a one-night stand, if right. you will. But we're still besties, right? Yeah. Like, it was just a one-time thing. But that's how I know. I know that I'm straight because I've had experiences and I just, it's not for me. But it doesn't make me judge other people. So one of the things I find interesting about bisexuality, according to the psychological and disease control studies, is that... There are a lot of bisexual people who suffer what they call bi-invisibility or erasure and bi-negativity from both the lesbian and gay community as well as the heterosexual community. So now that there are so many different labels, and we talked about like it's hard with labels because we want people to feel like they own something, but the world would be just easier if we didn't have labels and you could just be who you wanted to be. Yep. But especially in men, they say that this bi-invisibility, which is the idea that bisexuality doesn't exist. Therefore, this person feels invisible in either community. I see. So if they're feeling like they are leaning more heterosexual, they don't feel like they are recognized for being bisexual at the same time and vice versa. So they feel this bi-invisibility. That's kind of like a emotion for them it's an emotion for them which leads to bi negativity which eventually leads to things like self-hatred and self-doubt and there are findings in here that also leads to like what some people feel is the incel community where they feel like a lack of physical love or physical desire from either or any oh. gender identity okay i see now, that's kind of the stuff that you and I don't think about on a day-to-day -day basis. No, not at all. That's sad. That's hard. It's very I sad. I can't imagine. Yeah, that's, that's, that's hard stuff right there. So to kind of counteract that, there's been long skepticism, uh, both among scientists and laypersons, that male bisexual orientation doesn't exist. However, there have been studies from eight previous American, British, and Canadian groups to form a data set of 500 men, so that's the largest study at one time of men that identify as bisexual, and research provided compelling evidence that bisexual identified men tend to show bisexual genital and subjective arousal patterns. 
So it kind of goes back to the idea of procreation, right? Mm -hmm. The bisexuality, the arousal can come from either female or male stimulation, which I find interesting because it's not really an emotional state. I see. So I think that's where this whole pansexuality idea comes from. Yeah. I embrace it, but at the same time, it does make me feel bad for people that continue to identify as bisexual and not really being taken seriously by some members of multiple communities. Yeah, that's really interesting. So kind of to talk about the mental side of it. The idea of bisexuality is often put together with bipolar disorder. Now, I know nothing about this other than the research that I pulled. So formerly called manic depression, it's a mental health condition that causes extreme mood swings, including emotional highs and lows. When you become depressed, you may feel sad, hopeless, lose interest or pleasure in most activities, and you have an aptitude for irrational judgment and things that you would normally not do in your normal life when you're in these deep mood swings. Uh Uh-huh. So that is something, too, to look at, that there are so many different psychological issues that people have or psychological, let's call them, differences. Yeah, and go back. I mean, it's it's society that's doing this. It's society that's triggering all of this. Like, why can't people just be who they are? I don't get it. I just don't understand why people are walking around, wandering around this world, feeling suppressed, like they can't be their They can't be themselves. They can't dress how they want to. I mean, that's why suicide rate is so high in in this community. It's so heartbreaking to me, and it's frustrating, and it pisses me off, quite honestly. Who fucking cares? Mind your own business. Stay in your own lane. I mean, that is easy for you and I to say, but we live in a state and a world that a lot of the times feels that anybody who is not in a particular social category, that's a missed opportunity of power in that community. Yeah. It really sucks. And I think that that is why we really need to embrace the people in this community. We really need to give them the feeling that they are humans, that they do belong, that they do have a place. And sadly, we just don't have enough of those people like that. And if you listen to the news, depending on who is in charge of the country at the time, it is the polar opposite of what that lifestyle is. If it's, let's say... We're in a red state. Yeah. We feel like the oppression is is larger. Right. If you are in a blue state, the people who consider themselves red and conservative feel like there is an agenda and we're trying to corrupt their youth with yeah. drag show story times. People are just trying to be who they are. Right. That's exactly right. It's just, it's, it's, it really is heartbreaking. Um, we need to do better. And to everybody out there listening, like if you have people in your life that you that are LGBTQ, embrace them, do better, try harder, love them harder. And they will love you even harder in return because I feel like they don't get enough love from the people they want love from. Exactly, they don't. So before we finish this conversation, I just want to kind of bring up one little thing. So there have been five guidelines up until a few years ago that would be described as the human sexuality standards. Those guidelines were human development, relationships, personal skills, sexual behavior, and sexual health. Now, they added a sixth one in the last five years, and that is society and culture. Uh Uh-huh. Because that is now one of the biggest deterrents 
or the biggest proponents of how people choose to express their sexuality through social media, through what people are seeing them post on their Facebook, their Instagram, and online bullying, which we didn't have when we were a kid. If someone was going to bully you, they were going to come up and push you and shove you, Yeah, call you a slur, but now people can do it sneaky. They can do it from an account that doesn't have their real name or who they are or where they are. And they can publicly post it and and get their people on board too. Yeah, it's bad. I think you coined it best when you just said a minute ago, just, you know, we need to protect our people, care about them, have those conversations, and just do better. Yeah, remind them that they're loved no matter what. Oh boy, do we have a fun dating profiler today, don't we? We sure do. (laughs) You showed me this one a couple weeks ago and I completely forgot about it until you showed it to me again saying, oh, this is the one we're doing today. And I loved it. And we had two different immediate perspectives on it. Yes. So again, we don't say names and we're not here to like tear people apart. We're just telling them what they could probably do better if they want the attention of the men or the women or whoever they are seeking. Yes. Okay, so what was the first thing that you brought up with this particular profile? So the first word that he, this uh, male writes is separated. Sharing a home for now. I was told to move on. Guess I am. <laughs> Miss smiling in conversation. Leaving notes on the mirror and late Sundays in bed. And that's it. That's all he writes. Separated. That's sketchy. I don't know. I just, we don't want someone that's separated. Women don't want someone that's just rolling into their shit shows, shit storm divorce. Like who fucking wants that? Nobody. I don't. I mean, I, I'm just speaking for myself right now, but I can guarantee most women don't want that. Or men, for that matter. Oh, I'd say men even more so because I think there is that idea of as long as that person is still in the house, they're still getting that dick. Oh, that's the per- that's the this is the most perfect part about the whole thing. Sharing a home for now. Sharing a home for now. So like, <laughs> so we can't go back to your place after dinner because your wife's there. Right. Like, what? How awkward can this get? It can't get any more awkward than this. And then I was told to move on. Guess I am. No, you're not. Moving on. You're still living together. Told by who? Told by the, who told the, you? the ex-wife, your mom, your dad? <laughs> who fucking told you? You really need to move on. Son, you need to go get some strange. Get on these dating apps while you're still living at home. Yeah, get the fuck okay, out. Okay, I'll move on into the guest <laughs> I'll move on into the guest room. Like I'm not moving out of this house though. <laughs> I'm gonna move on, but not out of this fucking house. It's just crazy. The photos on this guy's profile. Okay, so that's what I noticed. <laughs> I'm gonna take this one over. Yep, go for it. So when you showed me this, after you swiped like three or four photos, I just realized that he was standing in his fucking pantry. In every photo. In every photo. There are shelves of Campbell's Soup and Top Ramen and Topperware behind him. And I was like, why would he do that? And I think I figured it out. I have two theories. Number one, that's where the lighting is best. Like maybe he's got like some shit lighting, maybe that awful like halogen lighting, long bulbs across the ceiling. And this is the only place where there's like a nice ambiance. Yes. <laughs> or <that> could be. <laughs> or he's taking photos in the pantry with the door closed because his wife and kids are in the other room. Oh my God, that is it. That's <laughs> it right there. Because honestly, looking at this guy's profile, he doesn't give a shit about lighting. <laughs> he just doesn't he just doesn't you know um his facial expressions and the way he carries himself you can tell lighting is not a big deal to him however 
that second part that you just said, <laughs> being sneaky in the pantry while wifey's cooking up food for the kids, mac right. and cheese in the room is so fucking awkward. She's like, honey, can you please grab me another can of cream of mushroom soup while you're in there taking dick pics? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, honey. I'm taking a selfie. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, we talked about it in Know Your Surroundings. We talked about that before Yes. in these profiles of like, be aware of your surroundings because, I mean, I'm not trying to date this guy. You show me this picture. I'm like, what the fuck is this pantry nonsense going on? Yeah. Yeah. If I mean... I almost wanted to connect with him just so that I could fuck around and be a smart ass and <laughs> send him a message and be like, so did she move your room into the pantry? You're still in the house with her. You know, it's like yeah, it's, I, the whole profile is a complete cluster. Like, it's not OK. Separated. I was told to move on. I guess I am in the pantry taking selfies all day long. Like, what gives? And I'm not without empathy for this guy, because here's the thing. He is probably brand new to this. He hasn't learned how to do this yet. Hopefully, he listens to our podcast and he's like, oh, that sounds like my profile and <laughs> takes that constructive criticism seriously. Like we've said in the past, we want these people to find love. We want them to find happiness. Yes. We're going to tough love you into finding ways to make that easier for you and not stand in the fucking pantry. Also, he's got a hat on in like five pictures. Yes. And if this, <laughs> if this is you, if you're listening to this podcast and this is you, you, this sounds all familiar, please reach out to us. Send us an email. Diana would love to help you with this. I would absolutely love to have you in the studio and explain what is happening here. <laughs> Okay, so I got some gurus for you today. So we had some ladies on before, and that was a nice change of pace. But we've dug up some pretty shitty dude gurus <laughs> lately. And again, no names, no clues to where we found them. But we are definitely going to deconstruct their advice. Here is our love guru for the week. I need you to tell me something because I just don't get it. How come... You're always investing all your time and energy and effort into these low-value men. Men who don't deserve it. Men who are inconsistent. Men who leave you on red. Men who are unsure what they want. Yet you give them so many chances. You give them the benefit of the doubt. You lower your own value to even keep them around. And then you wonder why you're in the situation you're in. Why is that? Yeah, why is that, Diana? How about we just sit and lay blame on you and not give you any constructive advice? This is just a guy who pops on and he's like, hey, dumb bitch. Yeah. Why do you act this way? Why do all women, if there's one thing I've learned from you and diving into these gurus is I hate these blanket analogies. Yeah, and this is a tough one, honestly. Women get bored just like dudes do. Why the fuck do guys do that? Why do you guys do that? Why do dudes give all this time and attention to women that don't give it back to you? I mean, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. But I mean, I've watched dozens of this guy's videos and they're all the same. He doesn't give you any advice. He doesn't give you any tactics. He doesn't have advice. All he does <laughs> is sits and criticizes women for all the dumb reasons they are the way they are. Yeah. That's crazy because I would be like, why are you wearing that shirt? What the fuck's going on with that facial hair? I mean, it could get real, real good if we wanted to. But 
honestly, Antonio, women get bored. Right. And he doesn't call himself a relationship guru. He calls himself a dating guru. Oh, that's better. That's a lot better. <laughs> like, I can only imagine you're going to sit down at the fucking sizzler with this guy. And he's like, hey, before we order, why are all women fucking bitches? Right? <laughs> that is the vibe that he's putting out. Yeah. And this is my opinion. And again, maybe I'm tinfoil hatting here. This isn't for you. No. This is for guys to listen to and feel like they have some kind of camaraderie with someone who is supposedly educated, supposedly qualified to give these statements. Therefore, it makes them rationalize their thoughts about women and the misogyny behind it ah. and feel better about it. That's my thought. This is not a sincere relationship coach. This is someone who is looking for views from guys who've been turned down one too many times. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. That's just my opinion. I could be totally wrong. Like I said, these are subjective. You might listen to this guy and be like, you know what? I never thought of it that way. And that's fine for you. This is just how I see it because I've had very, very positive and constructive relationships with women. And they've told me about women who are supposedly like this and how they feel the same way that this guy seems to feel about them. But don't paint the picture that it's all women. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, just like I said, I mean, we can dive deeper if you want to. I mean, it's a security issue. You know, some women aren't confident and secure and they will go after whatever is giving them a little bit of attention at the time just because maybe they're afraid to meet someone else or put themselves out there or they're super, super introverted. Right. And there's this one person at the time on their phone that they've been texting. Maybe they don't get as enough, enough attention that they want, but they get just enough to keep them holding on. I mean, it's really a security issue. Like women and men both, like we lack, some of us lack that. If you were to be sitting down across the table with this guy and he asked you that question, what would your retort be? I would say, why do you do that? Because the only reason you brought this up is because you've done this. It's just a mirror, right? It's just a mirror. He's looking in the mirror going, say like his name's Kevin. I don't know what the fuck his name is. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, why are you giving this girl attention and all this, you know, all these text messages and she's leaving you unread and you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. He's trying to talk himself out of not allowing it. And so he's, it's just a direct reflection. He's just portraying it. You know, and there's something about this particular guru as well. And I've been noticing this a lot as I've been diving into them. A lot of these people broadcast these messages from their car. Oh. They're sitting in their car, whether it's in traffic or they're parked at McDonald's. I don't know. There always seems to be like three out of four videos of them in their car. Now, I don't know about you, but I do my most irrational thinking while I'm driving because I, I'm already in a heightened state of awareness of what the fuck's going on around me. Yep. I, I don't have road rage, but I do have rage yep. <laughs> with people. And what that does is that starts polluting my thinking. I start having like these imaginary conversations or imaginary arguments, or I'll start reliving something that happened 20 years ago. And I'd be like, I should have said this when they told me that. Yeah, that's funny. There is an irrationality in your car. It is not a safe environment. It is a heightened awareness state. So when people make blanket statements like this from their car, yeah. I'm going to say if you see a guru sitting in their car at McDonald's and they're trying to give you advice, swipe up, man. You're not yeah. going to hear anything good. Yeah, my deepest thoughts are in the shower. 
Maybe I should start doing love guru things. Those I call them shower thoughts. I'm not kidding you. That's where most of my ideas and anything, whatever, whatever it is for that day or that week, like I get really deep, good ideas. Those are my shower thoughts. I like it. And as we come to the end of the show, what is the MILF worthy for the week? Um, So this is just, I mean, Christmas is coming up. It's a week away when you start hearing this episode. Right. And so this is going to be a good one for you last minute men slash women. It's probably a little bit too late to put more thought into a gift. Um, I'm a very excellent gift giver. I've had a lot of friends and family tell me that because... I love to shop like online. I do a lot of online shopping, but I also love to give gifts that are unique to that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I kind of like to throw in something that's I've kind of made like for an example, a photo, like my favorite picture with so-and-so and and I'll put it in a cute frame and then get um, a bracelet or a necklace that like speaks to them. You know, Uh, my, both of my nieces just had birthdays. They live in Arizona one turned 27 and one turned 30. And I sent them each a bracelet that was for them, like structured to them. You just have to think about your person and put some thought into it. Also, I mean, I know a lot of women hate this. Gift cards, it's not a bad idea. It really is. It really is not because if you're buying, I'm just going to throw, women love Victoria's Secret. I know I do. I love their bras and panties. Um, And there's also other places, obviously places you can get awesome clothes or whatever. But if you don't know your person's size, don't wing it. Just don't wing it. If you don't know what color they like or whatever, just, you know, give them a gift card. And then it's what you write in it. It's what you write in the card with the gift card that makes it meaningful. It's not like here, here's a piece of plastic. Fucking go shopping yourself. I don't know what the fuck you want. Like there's a difference. You can write in the card. Hey, babe, like I just wanted to make sure that you got exactly what you wanted for you. And I thought this was the best way to do that. Communication is huge. Make sure you get a card. That is a, the biggest thing. A lot of people forget it's Christmas. Like get your person a nice Christmas card and write in it. Yeah, just don't cut a piece of the wrapping paper and fold and it, and fold half, it in half. or put it on the tag, <laughs> like the to and from sticky tag. Like I love you, Merry Christmas. No, guilty. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, once again, thank you for joining Diana and myself on the MILF and Me podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like all of our social medias, and follow us on themilfandmepod.com. Diana, it was a pleasure. I will see you next week. Thank you.